0: and sign up today you're listening to the portrait system podcast
1: find out what you really love in photography what you want to shoot and focus on that it's better for you to find out what you enjoy doing and base your entire career around that and then those dream clients they come and they find you
0: Today's guest is the incredible Matthew Jordan Smith. Matthew was so gracious to share with me his whole journey from working as an assistant all the way up to photographing Oprah, getting huge corporate sponsorships and publishing several different books. Matthew was very open with what he shares and he's so wise and I was basically hanging on his every word during this interview. Not only do you get to hear his story today during this episode, but you'll also get to watch him during an actual photo shoot and see his whole process if you watch the Portrait Masters Conference online in September. Okay, enough of me talking, because I just can't wait for you to listen to Matthew Jordan Smith. Here he is. Matthew Jordan Smith, thank you so much for being here with me today.
1: It's great being here.
0: You know, this is the first time I've interviewed anyone from Japan. Well, you're not from Japan, ah. but you're in Japan.
1: <laughs> I'm in Japan at the moment, yeah. Yeah,
0: very it's, cool. It's great
1: being here, you know. I do miss being in the States, but Japan's not a bad place to be at all, especially now.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, I can imagine. Well, we've met a couple times. I don't know if you remember. I mean, I feel like you probably, after you speak, I'm sure you meet a million people. (laughs) So (laughs) I've, I've had the pleasure of watching you speak several times and you just have such a great way of presenting and teaching. So the fact that I get to not only interview you, but that you're going to be speaking or doing a presentation for the Portrait Masters Conference again this year, it's just like, ah, so happy just to have you part of all of this.
1: Well, I got to tell you, I am honored to come back again and speak to Portrait Masters. I can't wait. I think it's going to be much better this year than last year. I feel more comfortable and, you know, I know everybody now. So I'm looking forward to this.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's it's going to be amazing. You know, like the, typically the way that we do this podcast is I know I am interviewing everyone who is speaking at the Portrait Masters. But what we normally do is kind of go through... Like, just your journey and how you got to be where you are. I mean, what I know of you, and I think what most people know of you, is you're a celebrity photographer. You are a fashion photographer. I mean, you photographed Oprah's and Daya, Britney Spears, Samuel Jackson. Like, I mean, you have a book, Sepia Dreams. Is that the book where you photographed 50 black celebrities? Yes. I mean... Like, that's like a dream, a dream for so many people. And and I wonder if some people are thinking, like, how did he get there? You know, what did you do? So I'm wondering if I could just ask you a couple questions about your journey.
1: Yeah, shoot. Yeah, fill in the blanks, absolutely. Well, let's rock.
0: Awesome, awesome. Okay, so did you always do photography or was this something, you know, that just you decided to do one day, you know, did you ever have a job prior to that? Or, or you know, how did you start it all, I guess?
1: Well, it's, it's funny for me, this is the only job I've ever had, which is not really a job. It's, you know, it's just like my love. My father was into photography. It was like his hobby. And uh, ah. he's, a, he's a minister or was a minister. He's retired now, but it was his hobby. And he taught me how to take pictures. He it was a way of keeping me out of, ki- of trouble. You know, I was born in New York and born in Brooklyn mm-hmm. and we moved down south when I was like seven years old. And I didn't fit in. You know, going from New York City where it's like, you know, the world at your feet and then you go to the south at that time, it was just mm-hmm. it was weird. So I became like this very like, you know, quiet kid and my father gave me this camera to break me out of my shell. Mm-hmm. It's been that same thing for me ever since. So in a way, it was like my hobby at first, and then it turned from hobby into my career. I went to art school in Atlanta. Then from art school, I dropped out and moved to New York. I had this professor say in art school, like the best photographers in the world are in New York or in there in Europe. If you want to be in that class, go to one of those places. So I'm like, oh, you know, I was born in New York. Let me go back to New York. Mm -hmm. And that's what I did. And my career started there. I really think it was my my real training happened in New York.
0: Yeah, well, let me, just to back up a second, like what an amazing gift that your father gave to you. Yeah, you know, a camera is. and just <laughs> yeah, how cool! And the fact that you know just how it all worked out with you going to the South and then the camera and then it it that, that's just that's really cool. Now. Did you always know you wanted to do, you know, fashion photography or, you know, is that just how it went when you're, you know, being in New York and that's that's what people do, you know?
1: <laughs> no, not at all. At first, you know, uh, I wanted to do sports because that was like, I, I was into sports mm. at that time. And mm-hmm. I got to, got to art school with that in mind. And... You know, just, I think, meeting different people, like my professors talking about different magazines. At the first time, for me, hearing about Vogue, hearing about the European magazines, Italian Vogue, things like that, and being exposed to it. And for me, it was the first time when it clicked that, oh, I can tell my story. I can have my own point of view, where, like, you know, doing sports, you're you're documenting what's happening. Mm
0: -hmm. And that's great, Mm -hmm. but
1: to have the ability to to really tell your story the way you see the world that was intriguing for me and it still is now.
0: Yeah, that's such a good point cuz sports there's not a whole lot of I guess editing you can be pretty creative or like even some of you know maybe I know you do some still motion stuff that is really really yes. cool. We'll talk about that. I want to <laughs> ask you about that later but but yeah, it seems like you know you just have so much more of the ability to be creative
1: Absolutely. You know, with
0: what you do. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. You know, I, I love that about it. I, I love the fact that I can, you know, share my version of what beauty is. Mm-hmm. That intrigues mm-hmm. me. I love that I can use it to, to tell my story. Yeah. And in a way, it, it's it's like a, for a photographer, every picture you take, it's like you're telling your story. You're documenting your life, even though you're photographing other people, but it's still your story. And I, I love that mm-hmm. about it.
0: Yeah. Okay. So your book Future American President. Obviously yes. there's a lot of storytelling in there. And and I know people know you as a celebrity photographer, but you it seems like you do a lot of, you know, it's not just about celebrities for you. It's not it's, at all. you know, storytelling about the world. Can you tell us about your book Future American President? I just think it's so cool.
1: Thank you. Yeah, like, you know, it's funny because for me what really pulled me into photography in terms of a career was books reading about people like Gordon Parks and and being inspired by them and I really think it was you know one of Gordon Parks' books that really made me want to be a photographer and and you no know, seeing somebody who looked like me doing photography at that time was was special still is and I felt like if a book could change my life in that way and give me this gift of photography and this gift of this life why not use photography to do the same thing? So I want to go around the country, around America, and find 100 strangers, 100 kids, and ask their parents, "Can I photograph them as a future president?" Sounds crazy now thinking I'd about love that, it. but that's what I did. Went to every state, all 50, and and just, you know, walked up to strangers and showed them my first two books, number 1, and then said, "I'd love to photograph your child and you know, feature them as being a possible future president. Now, these kids, they, they had no idea about being a president at that time, but it, the book was about planting the seed mm-hmm, because you never know. You know, nobody knew that, you know, a book would change my life. Maybe the gift of photography and telling a child that, oh, you can have, you know, the ability to be anything you want to be, anything, even a president. Mm-hmm could maybe mm-hmm. spark something in that child to to change their course. I have
0: the goosebumps. Ugh. The thing that's
1: <laughs> cool about photography, you know, it's, 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 it's kind of crazy, but when you think about even an adult having their picture taken, it's a special thing. So if you approach a child and make them like the star for the moment, that sticks. So hopefully it has. We'll see. I mean we're still years away from knowing that, but uh, hopefully it'll make a big impression and uh, maybe we'll see 20 years from now, what that'll lead to 20, 30 years from now, what that'll lead to.
0: I love that. I love that. One of the purposes is to, you know, really let these kids know, listen, like it's limitless to what you can do. I mean, like you said, planting that seed. Absolutely. It's just, it's just, Oh, I love it. I absolutely love it. Very, very cool. And, and, you know, Obviously it's so important to choose personal projects that mean something to you. And, you know, that I think helps you like infuse that passion and make it something really great. But there is this other side too that maybe there's like a like a marketing technique to it too. Like Sue teaches you know, all of the her students for at SBE, like do some sort of campaign, like something that that feels important and special to you. And then also it's like a marketing tool as well.
1: Absolutely. I mean, did you, did you find
0: that at all with your book that it, you know, was was marketing as well for you?
1: Absolutely. I mean, like, my, my first book, Sepia Dreams, I had no idea that it would come out at a time when the world was, like, going through this crazy period. But my book came out one month before 9-11.
0: Oh, wow.
1: September 11th, 2001. Mm-hmm. And when the whole world stopped, well, at the time, like, especially, like, you know, in America, New York came to a standstill that book kept me going kept me doing things like doing interviews and TV even though the market had fallen apart you know there was nothing going on right. but that book kept me out there and also it got me seen beyond the world of photography and i had no idea about sponsors at the time but my my book led to getting my first sponsorship with microsoft and at the time, I had no idea that Microsoft ever sponsored photographers, but they came knocking, and that led to, you know, one thing leads to another leads to another. And now I'm sponsored by several companies, you know, Nikon. It's just been a great ride. Yeah. Ever since that book, I've been sponsored by some corporation, sometimes two or three that's at the same time.
0: Wow. I didn't know that either, that corporations sponsor photographers like that. I had no idea.
1: Yeah, I had no clue either until they called. And when they called, I thought it was a joke. You know, back then people would call you. (laughs) Right. uh, (laughs) I thought it was a friend playing a joke on me, but it was real. And from like 2002 to like 2008, they sponsored me. And that was a great ride. But the crazy thing about that is I met so many amazing people during that time that I'm still very good friends with.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. That's awesome. What a nice little bonus on top of the having, you know, a great sponsorship is, is to make lifelong friends.
1: Definitely, definitely. And then getting back to the question about, you know, how personal projects lead to other great things in your career, it definitely leads to clients seeing you in a different way. People love seeing, like, your personal work. Mm-hmm. You know, you shoot for a different head when you're shooting work for you versus shooting work that you think is going to get you work. And clients love seeing what you care about and it shows in the work Mm -hmm. you know you shoot images like you're shooting for work for sure to, uh, to make money but then you shoot a personal project and that feels different not only to you but to the viewer people connect with it in a special way and that's what ultimately leads to you know really great work
0: That makes so much sense. It really does. Because I think when people are hiring, you know, whether it's a photographer or a graphic designer or whatever, I feel like people, you know, you, you end up having a lifelong client based on that connection that you have. And if someone can relate to you or relate to your photos through the personal project or feel some sort of emotion, I feel like you're more likely to draw them in as a client. So that's, that's such a good point.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No, shooting what you love leads to so
0: much. Mm-hmm. It's so true. Okay. So let's get back to that too. When you were in school, you, you thought sports was your jam and then you're like, wait a minute. Okay. I can't be that creative. So then how you just decided you were going to try fashion from there?
1: Yeah, it really was like one day. I remember this one professor said, you know, he was always talking at the time about this one magazine out of Europe called Zoom and we would go through the magazine, we'd talk about different photographers like Irving Penn and Stephen Mizell and just all these great fashion photographers. And I was intrigued to see pictures, you know, in a different light, to see pictures that had more of almost a fantasy element to them. I loved it. I loved the portraits. Like I resonated with those images. We had some great people come to speak at our school as well. And that was wonderful to see their work and see it beyond just documenting work and i think that really pulled me in and it's what i love today so much is just going out there and and sharing you know all the influences in your life and putting that in your work you know i've traveled all over the world Mm -hmm. and the work that i do now is very different from the work i did you know when i was growing up in south carolina
0: yeah yeah now as far as you know Okay. It sounds like so dreamy, like traveling around the world and like doing photo shoots around the world and that sort of thing. Like, and so I've heard that when you're just starting out in fashion and all of that, oftentimes you don't make money in like the commercial fashion world. And a lot of people, you have to like work for pennies and do shoots for free. Like, is that true? I mean, is that what you experience, or did you come right out with like, this is my pricing, this is what I'm getting, you know, if I do a shoot.
1: No, it wasn't like that. For me, I I started off as an assistant. So I worked first as a photo assistant to other big photographers. And I learned that by by being on the job, being on a set and watching people who were doing what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't paying a lot of money, but it paid decent where I could make a living in New York City at the time and live on my own. But that was my training, my real training. And then my evolution was from assisting, I started getting asked to do jobs. And the first time it happened, I felt I wasn't ready. Now, I've been shooting a lot on my own, like testing with different models, but I didn't feel I was ready yet. But a makeup artist went to a magazine and he said, oh, there's this young photographer who's really, really good. You should see his work. And that editor called me and said, I want to see your portfolio. And I'm like, huh, what? You want to see my work? I didn't think I was ready. Wow. But I go see him. I show my portfolio at the time. And he's very quiet going through my book. He goes through very fast. And in my head, I'm like, oh, he
0: hates it. He hates <laughs> God, it. The things we tell ourselves, it's like, oh, God.
1: <laughs> yeah. I had all that going on in my head. Like, OK, mm-hmm. I, I knew I wasn't ready yet. And why am I here? He goes through half my portfolio, closes the book, and says, are you free next week? That was my first job.
0: Wow. You're like, yes. Yes, I am.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm totally free. It, it was a slow evolution for me. It was like, you know, I would first do a job here and there and then still assist on the side. And then it got to the point where I was working so much, I had to stop assisting altogether.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's
1: what happened. And it's been going on ever since now.
0: Wow. It's a little bit refreshing. I'm sure our listeners will probably be like, okay, if Matthew Jordan Smith was like, you know, struggling with self value around his work and he has come this far, it's like it's like I feel like no matter what success level you get to, I feel like there's always that feeling of am I good enough? Or, you know, having to work through that.
1: You that never goes away. That's
0: what I was gonna say. As you grow and become successful, do you ever still feel like that?
1: Let me tell you. (laughs) yeah i think that imposter syndrome is is real number one but i i feel like as you keep pushing yourself to this new level you always have that thing you know am i good enough will i make it am am i there like you you never feel like you're really really there you know you would be shooting oprah one day and the next day like oh wow will i get hired for another job That thing is there. Mm -hmm. Or you do something, you go out on a limb and you take a chance on something and you wonder, will it work? When I did my first book, I had no idea it would get picked up, if it would sell any of that. The book sold in three days to a publisher and it was a six-figure deal. You know, I had never done a book before, but people around me were saying, oh, it's so hard to get a book deal. And it is, but that wasn't my story. You've got to believe in yourself and push yourself, even when you feel like you know you can't do it. You've got to talk yourself into it.
0: Mm-hmm. I love that you just said that. That didn't have to be your story. That wasn't my story. That really resonates.
1: Now I'm not saying it's easy because it was not easy. You know, I, I talked about you know assisting, then going from assisting to being a photographer. But I remember one day when early on as an assistant. And I was feeling down as, you know, having my own blues. And I said, i was going to get a second job. And I was going to find a job working in a restaurant. So I go an interview. I get hired for this job working as a, you know, I forget what I was even hired for, but just working in a restaurant in New York City. And I get into a taxi to go to my first day of work, my first day of training. And on the taxi ride, the taxi driver says, oh, what do you do? I said, oh, you know, I'm a, photo assistant and I'm trained to be a photographer but right now I'm going to another job right now I'm going to work as a you know in a restaurant to, to make ends meet he says oh wow just like me he says I'm also a photographer I'm like really he says I said how long have you been doing a you know driving a taxi he says about 20 years
0: oh shit you're like no <laughs> I'm like
1: what so I told him like, stop right I'm gonna get out right here so he stopped the taxi I got out And I never went to that job. And I told myself right then and there, I'm going to make it no matter what. It's just so weird that that taxi driver told me that story Mm -hmm. and told me that, you know, he's been driving a taxi for 20 years, but he's a photographer. I'm like, no, I can't be that guy. I can't be the person who works in a restaurant but wants to be a photographer. So I made my mind right then and there, no matter what, there is no plan B. You're going to make it. And that's when things changed.
0: Wow. What a profound experience. I mean, that's just incredible.
1: I've got tons of them. Trust me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and like you said, it's kind of like when you make that decision that there is no plan B. Like, I remember I was a social worker prior to being a photographer. And and I remember getting my first studio. And it was $1,100 a month. And, like, I mean, I only made $3,000 a month as a social worker. So it was, like... Oh my god, I'm quitting my job and I'm getting a studio for $1100 a month, but I remember in my head there was no plan B. Like this is what I was going to do and come hell or high water, this is I was going to make it work and I did. You know, it's like it's like do you feel like there's a switch that flips and it's just like you know it you're going to make it.
1: There definitely is. There definitely is. Even when everybody around you is saying no, no, no mm-hmm. or or telling mm-hmm. you the blues like, you know, there are always those people around telling you how hard something is or that you can't do something but they're not talking about you they're talking about their story or what they believe Mm -hmm. and I believe in those moments that's when you step it up and you really gotta believe in yourself I'm not saying that's easy all the time again that imposter syndrome kicks in Mm -hmm. but you've got to that's when things change
0: Mm -hmm.
1: When you believe in you, like, really believe in you, and don't think about quitting, you make it. You make things happen.
0: It's so significant, and it's so powerful. And and that's, you know, just in talking about, you know, Sue and just what Sue teaches and everything, it, it, that is, like, the basis of it all. Like, you can be the best, you know, at lighting and posing, but if you are missing that self-value piece… Yes. So, it's so interesting to hear that, you know, that you went through this the same journey you know the same sort of you know self-value roller coaster
1: oh yeah i think we're always still on a journey definitely we're we'm we're, still on that journey even now i mean you're you're always in this evolution i don't think you should ever get the feeling like oh i've made it i just think you're just always evolving and 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 growing
0: yeah and i i don't know i i think maybe if you do feel like you make it is that when you like stop trying to grow and learn it's like I've made made it I don't have to do anything else
1: yeah I think when you are like resting on your laurels that's when it's over (laughs) I think that (laughs) at that point you know you're like you know on your way down whatever so for me it's about this joy of photography or not even just joy of photography the joy of creation I love that I love the process of creating something that I feel is beautiful and hopefully I'll feel that way all my life Mm -hmm. pushing things Mm -hmm. to that next level
0: you have some really, really amazing work. There was one photo, when I was looking through some of your work. It's called Two Sides of Tyra, and it like, stopped me in my tracks, that photo of Tyra Banks, <laughs> where you have two different looks side by side. That just stopped me. I had to stare at it for a long time.
1: Oh, I've shot Tyra forever. I mean, literally since I was a photo assistant. She was beginning her career. I was beginning my career, and we used to test all the time. Sometimes like three and four in the morning, literally, we'd be- you know, hang out, end up testing, you know, all night long. And uh, I love those days. We did a lot of yeah. great stuff together. And then, you know, it's it's funny to watch her career turn to what it is now, where she's, you know, going on from doing Top Model and all these other great things and uh, and hosting now all these other shows. It's, it's cool to see that. But she's the same person that she was when I first met her years ago.
0: Yeah, isn't that so great when friends turn just so successful and you just— so proud, you know, it's such it a cool is. feeling to it see. It is, yeah. it is.
1: great to see. I, I've always loved that.
0: Yeah, you know, I know people are going to want to know, how do you start photographing celebrities? Now, obviously with Tyra, you said it was more of a, it started as an assistant and, you know, you were friends. It was a friendship type thing. But if someone decides, like, I want to be a celebrity photographer, what do they do?
1: That's a great question. The, the odd thing is, I never pursued that. I never pursued shooting celebrities or... What I wanted to do was just shoot beauty, not even so much fashion, but beauty. That was my whole goal at the start of my career. And the process of shooting beauty led to me doing covers of magazines. And back then, all the covers were models. But then there was a transition where it changed from being models on the covers to being celebrities on the covers. And those clients started giving me jobs shooting celebrities. Mm. And that's how it all happened. Like the first time I shot celebrity was Halle Berry. And
0: oh, wow.
1: I was, of course, nervous because she's like the most beautiful woman in the world at the time. And
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> I remember People Magazine that came out with her on the, on the cover for that.
1: Me too, me too. <laughs> and having her in the studio that day was fantastic. She was just incredible. But doing beauty opened that door for me. And even today, I think if you want to shoot celebrity... You shouldn't have that goal of shooting celebrity. You should have that goal of making incredible portraits. And then that will hopefully lead to somebody taking a chance on you and giving you a celebrity.
0: Yeah, gotcha. And to
1: be honest, the funny thing is, even today, I, I enjoy shooting the beauty more than I love shooting celebrity. It's more creative. Mm-hmm. But celebrity leads to a lot of different things.
0: Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. and And I like what you said. Like, just focus on creating... Great, beautiful portraits. I yeah, mean, in the end, that's what it's all about. No one's going to hire you for a celebrity if your work isn't up to par.
1: Absolutely, I think you can't have that goal of, oh, I want to shoot celebrities, because it won't sustain you. It won't. It won't feed your soul. It's great in terms of press and getting your know, publicity and all that stuff, and it may seem glamorous. But it's not really. It's it's you doing the work that you love, and then if it's great, people will come to you. I've always believed that. I still believe that. Make great work, and then that great client that you want, they come to you.
0: hmm well, Matthew, what is your, like, if there is one, what is your typical client? Obviously, you've got different facets of what you do, so I'm curious what your, like, everyday work looks like.
1: Well, it's definitely, it still revolves around beauty. Even even now, it revolves around beauty. It always has. It's been the thing that's been the most consistent thing in my career. And it's funny because things do go through evolution. There's one point where I did a lot of movie posters. Then there's a point where I was doing a lot of hair care and, and beauty type work. Mm. Now I'm in a new market in Japan, and that's the market I'm going after, the beauty and hair care market, because that's a very lucrative market unlike fashion it's not the same window of you know a season where something's in and it's out with beauty it can be timeless you can have that picture in your book for a long long time Mm -hmm. and you can get paid for an image for a long long time i did a shoot for a big brand this is over 12 years ago and Two months ago, my agent got a call an email about reusing that image for a substantial amount of money to reuse those images again, which is great for me and for the model.
0: Yeah, that's okay. So this is where I get, I don't know anything about like the commercial copyright use. Like you have an agent, you know, at what point did you decide like, okay, I'm ready for an agent. And then you have someone who kind of, what's the word I'm looking for? When someone. Represents you. Yeah. Representing you. And like helping you, you know, get what you should be getting for reusing those images. Like at what point do you decide it's time to get an agent?
1: Oh, that's a good point. Now, the whole industry has changed a lot today. I don't think you have to have an agent, but, you know, I've been shooting for a long time. And it was definitely a plus when I began my career. My first agent approached me, as a matter of fact. So my first agent approached me. And that was my agent for the first three years of my career. And then I went shopping for an agent, and he's still my agent today. So I've had him for a very long time. But I think you get an agent when you are so busy, when you can't do all your own work. Mm -hmm, And by mm -hmm, that, mm -hmm. I mean you can't do all your own marketing and and push yourself out to agencies. Mm -hmm. And that was the, the plus for me having an agent, and still is. Even though, you know, he's in New York still and I'm in Japan, I'm in a new market now, but I'm thinking about looking for an agent in Japan. And I say that now because I'm doing some different type of work here. And all my focus has been on that work that's actually outside of the world of photography. Mm -hmm. But hopefully it will lead to things that are bigger than I've ever done before.
0: Wow. Yeah. And it almost kind of reminds me of anything when outsourcing <laughs> outsourcing the things that you can't do or the things that aren't your s- superpower like it almost seems like if you're going to be in the commercial fashion beauty world that having an agent might be one of those things that you outsource and maybe spend the extra money on because in the end if you get a good one it could really elevate you like and get you more work is that oh does that no sound? absolutely yeah, okay
1: absolutely having an agent now an agent doesn't get you work per se they do help you get better work and they're better at negotiating for you uh, in terms of rights, usage. Mm-hmm. You know, for commercial shoots, you're, you're paid for the photo shoot and then you're paid for the usage on those images, you know, based on, you know, per year or, you know, it depends on the, on the ad. And it's a different world for sure, but it's a tricky world. So knowing that is a big difference. I, I had a friend who's here in Japan and he was up for a job and he was going to give the job away. And I'm like, no, 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 you don't do that. So I gave him some tips on what to do. And to this day, he's like, okay, I owe you, you, know, you know, dinner for the next year. <laughs> because <laughs> just knowing how to go in and you know, represent yourself, and I think that's important also, how to represent yourself and how to negotiate on jobs so you're not abused, that you get you know, a rate. So if I uses an image for one year or two years, you're compensated for that. Because those things can be very lucrative,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but you got you got to learn that.
0: Yeah, that just seems like it's something you really you know to be really smart about it. Like you to really educate yourself if that's a route you're going to go. Because like you said, I wouldn't have even thought like, oh, they could only use my images for a certain amount of time, and then they're going to have to repay me again. That just wouldn't like royalty stuff. It just wouldn't have even crossed my mind. It's like
1: no, that's that's the whole world of advertising. Yeah, yeah, it's extremely important. I mean, you know, the the usage rights could be your retirement literally mm,
0: mm-hmm. that's all
1: very important stuff i think you you've got to have that on the commercial world now that's a different world altogether right, right. Uh, it's not like every day but in terms of like you know a product or a brand those things are very real like i've done a lot of it's funny because those jobs you don't show that work like i don't put that work in my portfolio or my website because it's kind of boring work but it pays very very well and nobody will ever know that i do that work like you know, you do a box cover for Pantene, something like that. Your name's not on that. Nobody knows you. D- you've done that work, but you know you quietly sit back and 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 smile at that type yeah. of work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The other great thing that happens in photography is that you get all these other types of jobs that you would never imagine. Like I've gotten some weird, at least once a year, I get some weird job out the blue that just comes up. Now I get a lot of these private celebrity jobs and a lot of them you can't say who you're shooting or what you're shooting but Mm -hmm. those are very cool jobs now that i live in japan everybody comes here and when they come here they want to shoot so that's another weird but crazy thing that's happened so i've been here in some ways, I've, I've met more celebrities than I did when I was living in California.
0: Wow, interesting. I wouldn't think of Japan necessarily as a place where celebrities want to go. But now that I think about it, there's, it just seems like Japan has so much to offer. And there's such an interesting fashion scene there, it seems.
1: Let me tell you,
0: <laughs>
1: everybody comes here. Everybody. If there's a new movie out... Japan's on that press junket list like they'll uh, maybe they'll go right. it's a big movie they'll, they'll go to Paris they'll go to Japan and when they're here you know what are they going to do? Yeah. shoot for press or shoot something yep. and it's just this wonderful thing that happens the music scene here is amazing the the fashion scenes incredible
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah I, I wish i moved here like 10 years earlier actually
0: <laughs> wow no kidding so for the portrait masters i'm really excited because you're doing your live shoot for us in japan right in tokyo
1: yes in tokyo in oh, tokyo uh, so excited <laughs> It's going to be very cool. It's going to be very, very cool. I think everybody should definitely come and check this out because it'll be very different than what people have seen in the past.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, I try to think of the, all these silver linings from this pandemic situation. Obviously, we can't do the conference in person, but if we were doing it in person, we wouldn't get to see you do a shoot in Tokyo. like.
1: Absolutely so, no. Silver
0: lining? I mean it's like trying to find the positives with within a horrible <laughs> situation. So I yeah. That was oh true. I'm so excited, Matthew, to Thank watch. You. Just Thank you. Just your process and how you you know, just how you do it. It's going to be so cool.
1: No, I got to thank Sue for that because the idea was just so amazing to actually, you know, show a shoot the way it happens in reality. Mm-hmm. And then turn that into this class. I mean, I love that. I think when, when she first came with that idea and told me about it and told all of us about that, I was like, oh, wow, this is actually Really cool, and maybe in some ways better than you know being on stage in reality and, and talking about what you're doing. People can actually mm-hmm. see the whole process and they can see it from Japan. That's cool,
0: yeah. So cool. I people love that. I think people really love seeing the actual thing happen. I mean, it's it's amazing, just like when people watch Sushu, they just want to be a fly on the wall and see her do it sometimes. Yeah,
1: that's very true.
0: Yeah, so it's just I'm excited, I can't wait.
1: Yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. I can't, I can't wait for everyone to see it. You know? We had a ball. We had an amazing time. And I won't spill any beans yet on this, but you've got to see it. Yes.
0: No, don't spill the beans because it's gonna be (laughs) not yet. Not yet. But you are on September twenty third on day three.
1: Yes, day three.
0: Okay, cool. (laughs) Uh, It's going to be such a fun three days. I just am like, I get to help host it with Sue. Ah. Yeah. So I'll get to you know we'll be hosting live. I know everyone had to pre-record everything just to you know, get everything done and and have it all edited and ready to go. Yes. You know, an online conference is such a different, it's just, it's the first time we've ever done this, but I feel like they have, the process is so, it's like a well-oiled machine already. It's really cool.
1: Well, you guys do it right. And and I'm, I'm really excited about the whole process and can't wait to the 23rd of September.
0: Yeah. Oh, me too. Me too. Well, I really appreciate you chatting with me today. And I actually have a couple more questions. I, I always ask at the end of each episode i ask the same few questions i'm wondering if i could ask you our like fire around sort of thing ask me anything (laughs) what is something you can't live without when you're doing a photo shoot
1: oh that's easy for me music
0: Ah. music
1: music music it is the end all be all I've, i've got to have it Back in the day, I used to carry CDs around to shoot. Now, you know, we all have our our, our music in other ways, but I have to have it. It's funny. So I I have a shoot that I'm about to do soon. And in Japan, there's a Tower Records here, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. So yesterday... I was in Tower Records buying music cuz it's very different type of music that I want to have for this photo shoot. So I found it in Tower Records. I'm like, "Oh wow." So, you know, I haven't bought a I haven't bought a CD in in a decade, but I bought one <laughs> right. yesterday and that was kind of cool. I have to have music on every shoot.
0: That is cool. Awesome. All right, number 2. How do you spend your time when you're not working? <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's funny because because I don't see photography as work. I do it all the time.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I'm, I'm living here in Japan, so I'm, I'm studying Japanese. So that's one thing I'm doing all the time. But I also have a really big project, which I, is the biggest project of my life. So all free time is tied up in that. I'm working on a project where I'm... Well, I can say it now because I'm debuting this project uh, September 1st. I've been working on what I believe is a new art form Mm. and it's been a long time coming and I'll debut it on September 1st in Kyoto for the first time
0: ooh I'm so intrigued it's
1: exciting it's it's scary you know it's it's definitely that whole thing we talked about earlier about you know the imposter syndrome Mm -hmm. is it good enough is it real but this is cool. It's actually not photography. It's outside the world of photography, but inspired from you know, like everything else in my life is inspired by photography. So this too is that. But I'll debut this new this new work, what I call this new art form, on September first, and I'm very excited about that.
0: Oh, awesome! I'm gonna mark my calendar so I can, <laughs> so I can make sure to look at you know whatever you post. So for that and the Portrait Masters, lots of fun stuff coming yes, up for you. Yes,
1: indeed. Very cool. Yes, indeed.
0: Okay, number three is, what's your favorite inspirational quote?
1: Oh, my God. I'm always saying, and this is my quote, always dream big. It's something I'm I'm always saying when I end anything. But a famous inspirational quote, oh, my God. Okay, this is from The Alchemist, which is one of my favorite books. There's only one thing that makes a dream impossible to achieve, the fear of failure.
0: Mm, It's powerful. And it goes back to what you were saying before.
1: Yeah, it totally hits that for sure. I think that it's the fear of failure that stops so many people from even trying. You know, you hear it all the time. Oh, but somebody said this, somebody said that. And it has nothing to do with you and your goals or your dreams. You know, I love the sound of that now. There is only one thing that makes a dream impossible to achieve. The fear of failure. People have this fear and it stifles them from doing anything. You know, fear is in all of us. I did an interview years ago with Gordon Parks before he passed away. He was like my hero in many ways. And he told me that, you know, I've had a lot of fear in my life, but I've never let fear stop me from doing something. And I think about that all the time. Even what I'm doing now, this new art form, that's scary to say that. I mean, it can sound presumptuous, you know, a new art form. If you think about an art form, like photography is an art form. Cinematography is an art form. So to say that I've discovered a new art form, that's kind of bold. But that's what I'm doing. And that's what I'm putting out there for the first time. And that's exciting. Am I scared about that? Am I have, do I have fear? Absolutely. But I'm not going to let that stop me, because who knows what's on the other side?
0: Who knows what's on the other side? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I feel like that might be the difference between people who take the chances and don't, or you just have to, like, muscle through that fear.
1: That's true. That's very true. I'm I'm definitely not scared to take a chance. I've been doing that all my life. I mean, Mm -hmm. no. Moving mm-hmm. from, you know, the South to New York to Chance, people have fear about moving anywhere. Mm-hmm. I moved to L.A. for a while. That was fearful for sure, uh, scary for sure. And also moving from, you know, America to Japan. I was fearful Will I lose all my work, Will I ever work again. That's all the fear that was in my head. Nothing changed. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, you know, I work more now in Japan than I did in the States.
0: And you can still have the fear and still do it anyway. Yeah, yes,
1: absolutely. <laughs> you're going to have the fear.
0: Oh, yeah. I've taken a lot of risks in my life. And I wonder, does anyone ever tell you like you're lucky for your life or for the things you do?
1: Oh, yeah. You hear that all the time. And I just want to say, oh, yeah? <sighs> you want to live my life to see what that what lucky <laughs> feels <Exactly>. like? <laughs> no.
0: Exactly. exactly. I've had people say that. You're so lucky. And I'm like, ah, oh, you know, I don't know that it's luck, but, yeah. you know, we— I mean, I'm sure some, you know, opportunities that have been afforded to me, you know, for sure has has been luck. But man, you clearly have earned your success.
1: I've been blessed. I've been blessed. It has not been easy.
0: You didn't let the fear stop you.
1: You can't. You can't let fear stifle you from doing something or trying. And if you fail, so what? I mean, it's part of the journey of you failing, but you don't really fail until you stop. Maybe you'll fail the first or second or third time. So what? You keep trying it. And as you do, you get better. You learn what not to do, what to do, and then you do it differently. You don't really fail until you stop trying.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You're a wise man, Matthew.
1: I am trying <laughs> to be. You know, hopefully I've learned something all these years.
0: <laughs> you sure are. So, okay, one more question. Actually, two more questions. But for this one, what would you say to people who are just starting out?
1: Mm, I love that question. If you're just starting out in photography, I would say number one to find out what you really enjoy and just shoot that. Now, we always hear people say, shoot what you love. But really, what does that mean? You know, here I'm living in Japan. And one thing I've learned is that in America, we say, and I'm guilty of this. Oh, I love this. I love that. And it kind of softens the word love when really you you like this or you like that. The difference in like and love is huge. Like in Japan, there are different words because there are different levels of love and there are different words for those levels of love. Find out what you really love in photography, what you want to shoot, and focus on that. I wish somebody had told me that at the beginning of my career because I was thinking like, oh, I'm going to shoot things that I think a client wants to see. And that's a big mistake because you can never never really figure out what somebody wants. It's better for you to find out what you enjoy doing and base your entire career around that. And then those dream clients, they come and they find you.
0: I love that. I absolutely love that, and it's true and and it, it almost seems like if you can just start with that, just focusing on what you love, shooting what you love, you know it you're in good shape, I mean
1: absolutely it it does so much for you. Number one, it helps you develop your own style, and that style is not anything that's fake because it's authentically you. I mean, you can't fake what you love, it's what you love. And when you focus on that, your work becomes like this this thumbprint. People start seeing it. They see your work and they're like, oh, wow, that feels inspirational or that feels sexy or that feels, you know, blue, whatever it is. You know, people find out what you enjoy doing and then they identify with it and then they hire you. And hopefully that will lead to you having not just a job, but having a career.
0: yeah. Exactly, like you said a career. And that's really what it is. And I love hearing you say that you just love what you do. You know, it doesn't feel like work.
1: I absolutely do. It's not for me, you know, cuz if it was work, I'd be underpaid cuz I work all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm 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 up all the time working on 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 my craft. And I love it. You know, I don't view it as work. I don't view it as oh, You know, I got this job today. I got to work. I don't view it that way. If I wasn't getting paid to create images, I'd still be doing it. I love it that much.
0: That's awesome. Well, I'm so excited to see your next project and to watch you on the Portrait Masters Conference. And it's really exciting. Hey, if people want to find you online, where can they find you?
1: I'm on Instagram. That's probably the best way under Matthew Jordan Smith and my website,
0: MatthewJordansmith.com. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for taking time out. I know it's late there and in Japan and just taking time out of your busy schedule to chat with me. It really, really was an honor. I loved talking with you. This has just been so great. So thank you.
1: Likewise. No, you're great. You're great. Thank you so much for making this easy. Yeah.
0: Thanks again. Thank you so much for listening today to the Portrait System podcast. If you like what you heard, we would really love for you to leave us a five star review either on iTunes or wherever you're listening. And I really, really want to encourage you to head over to SueBriceEducation.com. Over there, you can find all of the education you need to become a successful photographer. It's only $35 and there are over 1,000 on-demand educational videos on things like posing, lighting, styling, retouching, shooting, marketing, sales, business, and self-value. There's also the 12-week startup program that I love. And there are posing downloads, lighting downloads. I mean, truly everything to help make you not only a better photographer, but to make you more money. Once again, that's SueBriceEducation.com.